Matt Whitaker, former U.S. Acting Attorney General. This is such a great conversation about America, our future, what's going to save our republic. Welcome to Liberty and Justice with your host, Matt Whitaker. Welcome to Liberty and Justice. I'm your host, Matt Whitaker. I am joined here by a couple warriors, patriots, and good friends. Ken Paxton, Texas Attorney General, Sean Reyes, Utah Attorney General. Uh, let's get right into it. I mean, you guys are currently uh, pushing back against the Biden administration. I heard you speak today, 31 lawsuits. You've won 93% of those lawsuits, Ken. Talk to me a little bit about um, you know, what you're seeing from this administration in Texas and how you're fighting back against it. So I've seen the most aggressive abuse of the Constitution and the role of the presidency. It's, it's pretty much federal law is irrelevant. If they don't agree with it, they just change it. It's not the way the Constitution works. That's done by the legislature. And so if we don't stop that, we're going to end up with a very powerful president and the, people, the will of the people is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, um, you know, you've not only have you joined some of Ken's lawsuits, but you've had your own challenges in Utah. I know one of the biggest issues you care about uh, are really, I would put it in the trafficking, but it's, it's, it's drug trafficking and the fentanyl deaths and opioid deaths, plus the human trafficking issue. Is the Biden administration doing enough in that regard? No, absolutely not. They're totally derelict in their duties, Matt. General, every state in America today is a border state because of the failed Biden administrative policies. And thank goodness we have warriors on the line like Ken Paxton down in true border states like Texas fighting the good fight, not just in the courts, but pushing back on policy in front of the cameras. He's been down at the border. He brought us to the border. We saw with our own eyes the atrocities that are occurring. All of these folks that are coming across are being victimized by the cartels who are monetizing them through human trafficking, through drug trafficking, organized retail crime. It's an absolute embarrassment and shame. Secretary Mayorkas should resign. Joe Biden should be impeached for just the border policies alone. And again, as Texas goes, so goes America. We need to get this guy reelected and make sure everybody in Texas who holds office right now is reelected because they are the bulwark helping us in all the other states stand up against the cartels, stand up against crime, stand up against trafficking. Yeah, Ken, as you get around the state of Texas and talk to your constituents, what, what's on their minds? What are, what are they thinking about? What, what do they need help from? Uh, to make sure that they can hand the next generation the opportunities that they've had. Well, now, I mean, it was illegal immigration is obviously having a massive effect on our state. You see the D.C. mayor complaining about 4,000 people. That's like 0.1% of the total problem. We have that every day. But it's also, you know, now really high gas prices, energy, you know, we're not energy independent anymore. High inflation, people are struggling to like even drive their cars, let alone pay for food. It's a, it's a different world under the Biden administration. It's one that I don't think many people like. Yeah, now you two both have a great relationship. And that's one of the things, when I joined you on the border, uh, I, I think it was in at least January of this year. I'm trying to remember when we were down there. But I, you yeah, you invited me and I said, yes, I want to see it. I've been down there many times uh, when I was at DOJ, but it was good to, to remind myself of, of the vulnerability. They barely had a flak jacket big enough yeah, for your it was barely, chest or your you know, arms. Was, it wouldn't fit now for sure. but. Uh, one of the things I've noticed about the state attorneys general, Sean, is the relationship and the um, the, the goodwill that you've all built. Uh, how, how has that happened? How have you built these relationships 
between you and Ken and so many others, including my good friend uh, Eric Schmidt up in Missouri. How, how is that? You guys like together? Jeff Landry, who's also here from Louisiana. We absolutely have a lot of collegiality because we've been in so many battles together. Some of this goes back to us fighting the Obama administration back then, and it's carried on over. When you're in the trenches together and you have great teams and staff, our solicitors general, our teams all work collaboratively, and we need to because you would know this, General, when you ran justice, you exercised great restraint and responsibility with the massive power that the federal government has. The Biden administration has no such compunctions. And in order to leverage back and push back against that monstrosity, constantly trying to divest the states of power, we need not just Texas and Florida and Louisiana, but all of our states working together. So it's really personal relationships, picking up the phone calls and making sure that we're talking and coordinating. Um, and, and I think it's really healthy. It really has created a dynamic of all of the states working together to push back and protect our constitutional prerogatives in terms of the federal government. Yeah. Well, General Paxson, you spoke today, um, and I, I, I'm not going to say it was a, a, you played on your home field, but you had a lot of fans. Uh, it was, you were well received, your remarks were well received. What was the one thing, if you, if they didn't have a chance to see uh, your speech today that you would like the people watching this show and the loyal listeners of Liberty and Justice to know about your remarks today uh, at CPAC. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, the, I would say my, my discussion about election fraud, supposedly a dirty word. You're not even allowed to bring it up. You can lose your bar license there after my bar license because I talked about it and because I filed lawsuits over it. But if we don't figure out a way to address this issue in my state, which is a real problem, and I prosecute voter fraud, or I used to, and until you know we have issues here, if we don't figure out how to deal with that issue, all of the other issues go away. We won't be able to do anything about any of them. Yeah, it, and that's so important. I mean, you know, we have uh, we have to have clean elections. We cannot have a, a country where there are almost 50 percent of the people don't believe in the outcome of the election. You know, whichever, and, and it seems like it's you know again. It's I talk a lot about this two-tiered system of justice where you know uh, the left in 2016 can talk about illegitimacy of a president, can you know, object to a vote, can do all the kinds of the things that they did uh, when Donald Trump became president. And then in 2020, when the shoe's on the other foot, all of a sudden those were all declared out of bounds. And, uh, you know, like you said, you'd be shut down, deplatformed, whatever other opportunities they had. Yeah, and they to, were you know, working. Yeah. And they were the same. One of the things I think is important, we're asking the wrong question sometimes. We're always having to, they're asking us, we'll prove voter fraud. I think the question, better question is, why don't you, why don't we prove that our elections are safe? That's the most important question, right? Not whether we can find or catch every crime or every ounce of voter fraud, but do we have a system? Let's ask the question, do we have a safe system? Is this a system that makes it hard to commit voter fraud instead of saying, well, you know, prove it. Why and you can we, audit the results, right? Yes. I mean, that's what we need. Why don't we ask that question? Yeah. Sean, I want to get your, um, your take on on kind of on this issue, but also um, on the messaging of this. Because if you remember, we went from a period of there, there is no voter fraud to there's not enough voter fraud to change the outcome of the election. So that begs the question, I guess, for the mainstream media is how much voter fraud is acceptable? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, let me, one quick addendum, too, to the last uh, response that I had. You know, not only do I get to work with some amazing colleagues, the state AGs around, who are brilliant leaders, terrific lawyers, but the quality of human beings, Ken Paxson, his wife, Senator Angela Paxson, they're some of the best human beings 
that I've ever had the privilege to know, and they and they inspire a lot of us, and, and very much appreciate you, General Whitaker, for uh, what you've done in your service. L let me address one thing that you all were talking about in terms of voter integrity, in terms of full, free, and fair elections. One of the lowest hanging fruit, I believe, and the simplest solutions is photo ID for people. That's like 85% issue. Why do I say that? We were talking about this with Hogan Gidley and Patty Meckler, Jeff Landry on the main stage. 85% issue means Democrats and Republicans all think, yeah, this is such an important right and issue that we ought to. We require photo IDs for a lot of things that are much less important than voting. And so the only reason I've ever heard, Matt, that people have said, well, you shouldn't do that, is it puts an undue burden on the minority population, an undue burden on those who are working class or who are maybe um, not as affluent uh, as others. And this is my response. You know, my father was an immigrant. I'm the, I'm the great grandson, the grandson, the son of immigrants who came here to this country. My dad worked multiple jobs. He also said that the greatest day in his life, next to marrying my mom, was taking the citizenship oath and he was so happy to have an identity as an American, and he was proud to carry that in the form of a photo ID. So when he had a chance to vote, and he fought hard and sacrificed, and he knew many others had, he could show them who he was and what that represented. It was such a, a piece of his identity, and I think that's lost, and it's really offensive to have those on the left and others say, oh, they're minorities. They're not responsible enough somehow, or they don't have the time. They're, don't put that added burden. We want that burden. We want to prove to the rest of America that we belong, that we are as American as everyone else. And, and that, I think, is a, is a part of this whole process. Again, D.C. is so paternalistic. They know better than us. No, they don't. We were on the wrong side of the tracks. My dad working three jobs still found a way to go to the municipal office if he needed to, wait hours in line and get whatever was required for a permit or renew a license. We should have that responsibility because voting is not just a right, it is a responsibility. And so in terms of what you guys were talking about, uh, that's an issue that I think all states, Texas has let out in so many ways, pushing back and fighting to assure full, free and fair elections. But that's something that we can all do, require photo IDs. It's, it's really that simple. Yeah, I'd like to talk briefly about, you know, we see this rising cr crime rates in our major cities. Ken, it's something I'm sure you're dealing with here in Texas with progressive prosecutors uh, that are unwilling to prosecute a large swath of crimes. I mean, how, how do we address that? You saw where Governor DeSantis just fired or, you know, is attempting to remove a, pro a local prosecutor. You know, what? The American people want law and order. They want peace and tranquility in their neighborhoods. How do we how do we deliver that to them? We should. Well, there's two parts. One is stop defunding the police. Austin, one of our big cities, took a third of their budget away. What do you expect? Now they don't, they don't have the resources. Second, every state is different in how this works. My state, the DAs have sole authority for any criminal prosecution, so it's very easy to manipulate locally with simple elections. So states need to have some type of accountability for that, whether you know, DeSantis could go fire somebody. In my state, if a DA says, I don't care what the legislature passes, I'm not gonna prosecute any crimes unless I don't like you. I mean, they can do whatever they want in this state. We need to change laws so that we have accountability and there can be prosecution for crimes. Yeah. Sean, when we came in, in the Bush administration, as U.S. attorneys, 
Project Safe Neighborhoods was a big thrust where we essentially took gun crimes and made them federal cases. We did the same thing in the Trump administration uh, and, and we have always, I think, under Republican administrations, helped the local police departments get you know, the, the, the shooters, the trigger pullers, and those types of folks off the streets. Uh, do we need more federal involvement in the prosecution of crimes or can states and, and, and localities handle the, the rising crime rate themselves? No, truly, we need all assets combined together. It's just that when you have a federal government that's not willing to step in and empower states to do their jobs and you have conflict, that's the problem. We will try our best just like Texas does at the state and local level, but we absolutely need partners at the federal level. The, the retail industry loses 40 to $80 billion a year to organized retail crime because, just like you said, we have DAs who deprioritize white-collar crimes and frauds. They deprioritize a lot of sexual crimes. They are not pushing gun crimes the way that you all did when you were in office. And it sends a message to both the community to lose faith in law enforcement, but also to criminals. It very much, very much emboldens criminals to come forward. That's why we see so much activity coming across the border in organized retail crime and theft because they know law enforcement won't respond. And the reason law enforcement doesn't respond is they know DAs, we have to get good DAs elected. The DAs say, we, we're not gonna charge those cases. And that creates a spiral right now. You look at cities, blue cities, or at least cities that are controlled by mayors or governors in blue, they, they look like war zones right now. You took the Bay Area or Seattle or Minneapolis, proud cities that are beautiful, but right now without the what you brought, a respect for the rule of law and a confidence that people would actually enforce laws, a respect for authority, you have chaos. Yeah. And that's, that's a, it's a shame. In both cases, um, I first met each of you in my official capacity at the Department of Justice. Uh, and, you know, in one case, it was in the main conference room uh, at, at, on the fifth floor. Ken, you met us when we, we traveled down here to Texas um, uh, working on some of these important issues uh, in, the, in the Trump administration. So um, in each case, though, I felt like that relationship was strong. I knew that I could call you find out the truth is what was going on and, and, and collaborate on solutions. And I, and, I, and I know it was vice versa. You know, when we needed you guys um, or you needed something from us, we would make sure that, you know, we took your phone call or we met with you and we talked about it and solved these problems. Do you see the same thing out of the Biden administration? No, just the opposite. They don't call us, they don't take our calls. And then we have like Merrick Gar Garden threatening parents for speaking out and threatening to investigate parents for expressing their First Amendment rights. So we have a, we have a federal government and a DOJ that's very politicized and that is focused on threatening people as opposed to cooperatively working on law enforcement issues. That's true cooperative federalism, what you embodied, right? The feds and the states on equal footing, working together. The progressives view of cooperative federalism is cram down. You take what we give you or our terms or we'll pull, we'll pull school lunches from um, schools or, or, we'll or we'll investigate you. 
What, what you did, you look, even progressives who want to complain about policies of the Trump administration, they cannot argue that the Trump administration, at least in our experience, we've talked about this, was the most accessible and inclusive administration that we'd ever worked with. They called us. We didn't even have to call them. Hey, can we come visit you in your state? Can we see what's happening on the ground? Educate us, help us. And I know Ken and I both did presentations at the White House at your invitation to educate people of all backgrounds, bipartisan, nonpartisan, we want to help every city, every community. And it was not partisan political, but again, this administration, it's different. Yeah, and I know you probably, I was, I was talking to uh, my good friend, uh, Eric Schmidt, who just won the Senate primary, but he's the Attorney General of Missouri. And he was telling me that in St. Louis, his office, the Attorney General's office, gave a free prosecutor to the U.S. Attorney's office in St. Louis to do these kind of gun crimes and violent crimes, uh, and so they plussed them up. And you know what the Biden administration did? They returned that prosecutor, even though it was free of charge to the federal government, returned the prosecutor. And I, I just was, I was appalled because I, I know as a former U.S. attorney myself, like those resources, those special assistants that you could deputize, uh, train up, and they could like be a force multiplier was so valuable to the collaboration and they knew the local cops, they had great relationships and it's just a shame that they've completely sort of uh, done a one size fits all Washington DC solution to you know what, what's challenges in Utah and Texas. And again, not encouraging real law enforcement, focusing on political issues instead. And in my opinion, DOJ and other law enforcement are losing credibility with the people. They don't trust them anymore. Well, I'm going to work hard every day to get it back to the way it should be. So Ken Paxton, Sean Reyes, Attorney General Utah and Texas have been my guests here on Liberty and Justice. Uh, make sure you catch us every Friday at 7 p.m. on CPAC Now. Otherwise, everywhere good podcasts are distributed or everything I'm doing is at Whitaker.tv. God bless and thank you. Yeah, Todd, there's about 7,000 people apprehended every day at the southern border. I'm just back from the border again for the fifth time, and they're complaining about 6,000 people overall. This is just rich. Todd, thanks very much. You are on the ground in Manhattan this morning uh, as another bus is expected in New York City full of migrants from the border. Joining me right now to get into it is former acting U.S. Attorney General Matt Whitaker. AG, thanks very much for being here. I mean, is this rich or what to hear the mayors of New York and D.C. complain about the, 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 the governors of those states. Why don't they just pick up the phone and call Joe Biden? They should, and good morning, Maria. It's, I'm glad to be with you. You know, every bus has maybe 80 people on it at a time, and, you know, as soon as this started happening in Washington, D.C., or in New York City, the mayors started screaming, uncle, begging for federal dollars, begging for help from the National Guard. I mean, if you think about the magnitude that Texas and Arizona has dealt with over the course of uh, the Joe Biden administration, two million people have come in. To your point, you said 16,000 a day. You saw it firsthand. 
2014. I've been down there myself. It is a catastrophe, and it's all due to the policies of Joe Biden. He, removing, you know, trying to eliminate Title 42, trying to get rid of the Remain in Mexico policy, and really uh, getting rid of any kind of asylum discipline that we had in the Trump administration. So all of these bogus asylum claims are being are being filed and then these people are being allowed to stay in our country for years without an adjudication of their yeah. case. Well, I was there yesterday and it was just extraordinary what I saw in terms of the guns, the weapons seized, the drugs seized. Uh, we saw 70 kilos of cocaine, 600,000 huge pound blocks of marijuana, uh, all this stuff uh, being uh, laced with fentanyl. How do you feel as a former acting attorney general? Uh, how do you feel about the fact that the dangerous criminal cartels are actually the ones in charge of deciding who gets into America and who doesn't? These cartels are taking home $200 million a week. Yeah, and they're getting rich uh, from it, uh, to your point. You know, the cartels, the people that are coming in illegally into our country and filing these asylum claims or just getting away are the vehicles to bring in the fentanyl, the illegal drugs. The You know, there, many of them are being trafficked, but the more people that the cartels are throwing at our southern border, that allows more of their uh, illegal and illicit uh you know, drugs to get into our country. And that's the problem is they're just throwing more bodies at it. And with these policies, you know, they know they're going to lose some of their, um, you know, their profits, but they're, they're making it up in volume. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a disgusting policy at the southern border in this Biden administration. Yeah. Well, also disgusting is the fact that so many of our government agencies have gone political. Uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray was pressed on Capitol Hill yesterday about the about the FBI in general and about, you know, ignoring the truth. But here, this soundbite that we want to play is how he was answering the crisis at the border. Watch this. Well, look, I, I think uh, the border presents significant uh, security issues. There's a wide array of criminal threats that we encounter. Uh, down at the border. To me, it represents a significant uh, security issue and represents a wide array of criminal threats that flow out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's as if he just tries to address it but does nothing about it. By the way, AG, I want to show these pictures here because we now have actual pictures of migrants coming off of the bus in New York. That's where Todd Pyro is. We just heard from Todd. And we've got Port Authority uh, here uh, showing this bus, which is busing the migrants to New York uh, from the border. Your response to what you just heard from Christopher Ray? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, Chris Ray, I think, understates this problem. You know, he says it's a significant threat. It's more than a significant threat. We have more than five times the number of individuals on the terrorist watch list that have attempted to come into our country through the southern border this year versus last year. It's only going to increase. If you think about the, the world's, uh, you know, security and terrorist situation, if I am a, a terrorist, I would certainly try to enter through the southern border. And, you know, it is... Uh, I think the biggest, we're going to have really bad outcomes in the coming years uh, because of this uh, lack of border enforcement and because of Joe Biden's policies that are allowing millions of people in uh, illegally into our country.
Yeah, so connect the dots for us, because we're looking at the migrants coming off of the bus right now. These are live pictures, obviously, and they are about to uh, come off of this bus. This bus is another bus sending the migrants to New York, sending the migrants to D.C., uh, uh, because Greg Abbott wants leaders in other big cities to understand what Texas is going through. Connect the dots on crime, because crime has been spiking. We know that some of those people coming into America through the wide open border are gotaways and they don't want to get apprehended. Obviously, their intentions are bad since they are getting away. We see them on surveillance video just getting into the country. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is going after Governor uh, Kathy Hochul and he's asking the question why she is not stepping up and tackling crime in her state. Uh, Kevin McCarthy did a roundtable on crime in New York City yesterday. Listen to what he had to say. Watch. I would simply say to the governor, get rid of the prosecutors that won't uphold the law. You have the power to do it. Do it today. Why do we have to wait for her to act when we're sitting here with the police officers having a roundtable discussion? Why isn't she here? So what are your thoughts on the roundtable and on uh, the potential for some of these migrants to want to do bad things in America? We are looking at them departing this Port Authority uh, bus right now, and they're descending on New York. They came into America from the border, and Governor Abbott's sending them to these big cities. Yeah, several thoughts on that, Maria. First of all, you know, we do have a major crime spike in our cities. Uh, a lot of it's, uh, you know, because of uh, the, the lack of a rule of law and the lack of law enforcement because the police have not been supported by these political leaders. Now, the immigration is only going to increase that because many of these immigrants, unfortunately, are coming from countries that have a very violent situation right now. And so, you know, you're having the gangs that control places like Guatemala and El Salvador, uh, you know, MS-13 and others. And they're, you know, they certainly are uh, in these groups uh, that are not only entering through our southern border, but ultimately being put on buses. And so this is going to increase crime. It's going to increase gang activity. Americans are going to be hurt. You know, if you think about the number of Americans that are hurt by illegal immigrants every year or killed, it is a uh, drastic and sad situation. But Joe Biden and his administration has no desire to stop this flow. And it's uh, they're almost inviting people in uh, to to I'll not only attempt to illegally immigrate into our country, but to do it, and they're doing it in record numbers. Yeah, and I just want to say that when I spoke with Governor Abbott yesterday for that Fox Nation special, he said, uh, look, if they think this is it, they're wrong. There will be many more buses coming so that uh, the big city mayors understand and Joe Biden understands what Texas and Arizona are faced with. Matt, we'll keep following it and certainly talk with you along the way. Thanks very much, AG Matt Whitaker, joining us this Thanks, morning Maria. on that as we watch people come off of this bus. This is live pictures in Port Authority. A bus has now stopped and the migrants will come off of the bus. We don't know where they're going now, but they are in New York and they will continue to see uh, in New York migrants coming from Texas. If Greg Abbott and Doug Ducey, governor of Arizona, have anything to do with it, there's a shot 
of those people getting ready to get off the bus, coming into New York City. Uh, they will be offered all the services that others are offered. That includes uh, education, health care, food, uh, food stamps. These are all of the benefits that will be offered to these migrants. Uh, and that is one of the reasons that uh, political leaders say this cannot keep going. Something's got to give. We don't have the services to give all of these new people all of these services. Uh, they are largely coming from the Northern Triangle. Uh, that is Guatemala, El Salvador, uh, Mexico, certainly. And let's listen in. Watch.